Hey, Christchurch family, it is so good to be worshiping together with you as we say goodbye to one year and we enter into a new year. And I just wanna say thank you to so many of you who over this last year have just stood with us and you've prayed for us and you've encouraged us and you have financially supported this work in generous ways, even in the midst of some difficult times for you financially. And so I just wanna say thank you. Uh, we were so grateful for you and for your partnership in this ministry, for your encouragement. And we do look forward to what God is gonna do in this next year, because I do believe God has great things for us. But as we kind of uh, say goodbye to one year and enter into a new year, uh, we're going to spend some time just looking together at God's word. And so let's, let's pray together. Father, we ask that as we open up your word, that you would open up our hearts and our minds and that you would speak and that you'd make us attentive to your voice and that your voice would be louder and clearer to us than all of the other voices around us. And so come and work through this space and in this time so that we could be shaped and molded to be your faithful people in this world. And we ask this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen, amen. You know, I've preached from a lot of strange places in my life. I've preached at the beach. I've preached at the park. I've preached in a cafeteria in a high school and out in a campus quad. But I have never in my life preached on a rooftop. And uh, in fact, I've never actually been on this rooftop before. It's it's, uh, here at our church. But one of the unique things about being up here is that it gives me a totally different perspective. And you know, so much of life is about our perspective, isn't it? You know, it's not so much what we look at what matters, it's what we see that matters. And so what we want to do uh, as we enter into New Year is I want to share with you a text of scripture that for me has been incredibly helpful in gaining perspective over this last year. In fact, this is, this is a text that I've returned to again and again over this last year, and it's helped me gain perspective because here the Apostle Paul actually opens up his life in his heart when he has gone through an incredibly difficult year of his life and he is reflecting back and he's giving us some perspective on on, on difficult years we go through. And so I wanna share with you uh, kind of three ways in which he has gained perspective, three things that really shape his outlook and perspective as he looks back on a very difficult season in his life. And number one, what we're gonna see is that that, uh, he he saw the hardness of life, Uh, secondly, he saw the alchemy of life, and then finally, he saw the definition of life. Notice first, Paul uh, saw the hardness of life. So the text that we're looking at is from Philippians chapter one. And uh, this is a letter that the apostle Paul is writing to a church because he is in prison. And if your pastor was in prison, you'd wonder how he was doing. And so this church was wondering how Paul is doing. So he writes this letter to say, look, here is how I'm doing. And uh, in this passage, he kind of opens up his life. And here's what he says. He says, I want you to know brothers and sisters that what has happened to me, now stop there. What has happened to Paul? Well, very recently in his experience, a whole lot has happened to him. Uh, For one, he was taken on a false set of charges. He was arrested. He was put in prison. Uh, He had been physically abused by the authorities. He had been tried unjustly. 
And then he was set on a ship to be taken to Rome to be tried before Caesar himself. And then on his way to Rome on this ship, he gets in a shipwreck and then he goes to a, a desert island and eventually makes his way to Rome. And then finally he gets put in this prison cell and that's what's happened to him. And, and it's interesting, Paul says, I want you to know what has happened to me. And it's interesting as Paul is reflecting back on these terrible set of events, uh, one of the things that is striking to me is he is not at all surprised. He's not at all surprised about the hardship he has had to endure. And what makes this even more, I, I think, surprising is that the Apostle Paul, this is the guy who is arguably uh, the most influential Christian leader in the early Christian movement. I mean, he is the architect for the growth and the spread of the early Christian movement. He was a church planner and a theologian. And he had this, this kind of this ability to go into a community and to gather a group of people and to start a church. And within just weeks, uh, months, sometimes, uh, he, would, he would launch a new church and then he would set up leaders and he would leave and he'd go do it all over again. He's doing this all over the Mediterranean world and then he gets arrested. And so this, this, you know, this, this work that's been going on gets stopped and Paul is in prison. And it's interesting because Paul never asks why. He never seems surprised. He never finds himself thinking like, God, why have you allowed this to happen? He's not surprised. And the reason why he is not surprised is that Paul has expected that his life is going to be hard. And the reason why he's expected life to be hard is because Jesus himself, his master, his Lord, the one who he's apprenticed himself to, Jesus's life was hard. Jesus suffered. Jesus went through tribulation and persecution. He experienced the hardship of life. And then Jesus said, look, he said, in this world, you will experience tribulation. Paul, uh, when he was later teaching a, a group of new believers, he taught them, he taught us, he said, look, it is through many trials that we must enter into the kingdom of God. Later, one of the great uh, leaders in the Christian church, Peter, he said, don't be surprised at the fiery trial that comes into your life. In other words, if you are a follower of Jesus, you should expect suffering and trials and hardship and persecution. And so as you look into this next year, expect to suffer. Happy New Year. <laughs> Listen, I, I know that doesn't sound like incredibly encouraging news. And I know when you think about like gaining perspective, uh, maybe you don't wanna hear and I don't wanna hear, look, you're going to suffer difficulties. But listen, so much of how we experience life is dependent on what we expect from life. And it's true, right? Um, if, if, if you uh, are gonna go to Disneyland, you carry a certain set of expectations. And then if you go to boot camp, you experience a certain, a certain set of expectations. And those expectations that you carry to Disneyland or boot camp have a powerful impact on how you actually experience Disneyland and boot camp. And you know, if you go to Disneyland and you have these great expectations, you know, Disneyland is gonna be awesome and we're gonna have so much fun. And you go there and it's not quite that great, you can feel disappointed and let down. On the other hand, if you go to boot camp and you think this is gonna be terrible and you're just kind of like getting yourself all ready for everything to be awful. And then you go there and you're like, you know, there was some camaraderie and we actually, you know, it was hard, but there was something that felt good about it. You know, all of a sudden you went in expecting little, but you, you, 
you came away feeling like, yeah, something like came out of that. That was, that was good. And that's life. You know, if you go into the Christian life and you expect that it's going to be Disneyland, but instead you get boot camp, you're going to be incredibly disappointed. But if what you expect is hardship and trials and difficulties, then when those come in your life, you can embrace them. And you can recognize like, like I have some fortitude and strength and I can pull through this time. I knew this was coming and I expected it. And so one of the things that Jesus taught us again and again is to expect difficulties and suffering and trial. And so one of the things that Paul saw is he saw the hardship of life. He knew what was coming. He embraced that reality. He didn't deny it. He didn't think that if he was experiencing suffering, it was because he was doing something wrong. And you know, look, if you are experiencing extremely difficult times right now, it, it's, it's not because you're doing something wrong. I guess it could be, you know, sometimes our own stupidity, you know, uh, brings difficulties into our life, of course. But you know, Jesus was the most righteous, God-honoring person to ever walk the earth, and he experienced suffering. And so the, the mere fact that you're experiencing suffering doesn't mean that God is not with you and for you. It means that you are walking in the way of Jesus and that before we experience the new life of resurrection and new creation, we experience the cross and suffering. So number one, uh, Paul saw the hardness of life. But, but secondly, I want you to see that he also saw the alchemy of life. You say, the alchemy, what's that? Uh, you know, I, I actually got this from another preacher named Tim Keller. I stole it from him, but it was okay because he stole it from a different preacher. His name was Matthew Henry. And uh, Matthew Henry was an old commentator who wrote in the 19th century. And back then they had these guys called alchemists who were these kind of charlatans who claimed that they had the ability to take base metals and turn them to gold. And what Matthew Henry says in his commentary is that God is the ultimate alchemist, that God has the power to take the base metals, the base stuff of life and to turn it into gold. And that's what Paul was seeing about his own circumstances. He saw, look, uh, the shipwreck, the unjust trials, the imprisonment. He said God was taking this base stuff and he was turning it in to gold. And look at how he puts it in verse 12. He says this, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Do you see what he's saying? He's saying, look, God is ironically taking the difficulties I'm experiencing and he's using it to advance the gospel. And he says, it's crazy. He says, it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. It's interesting. He says, look, he, he says, uh, I was put in prison in order to stop the spread of the gospel. But now that I'm in prison, the gospel is spreading to new people in new places. I mean, think about this. Uh, for three hours a day, uh, in, in shifts, uh, Roman these hard-bitten Roman imperial guards are being chained to the most effective evangelists in the history of the world. And one by one, these Roman imperial guards are getting saved. And Paul is saying the gospel is traveling to these guys. And he says, it's wild. You know, uh, Caesar Nero, uh, who was the Caesar at the time, he was this nasty, you know, malicious, terrible ruler. And uh, he fancied himself and called himself this. He had it on epitaphs and on coins. He called himself Lord and Savior. And now his own imperial guards are rejecting him as Lord and Savior and are 
calling another, namely Jesus, the true Lord and Savior because of the ministry of the Apostle Paul. And Paul is probably thinking, I would have never imagined this. I wouldn't have planned this. And yet here God is doing this incredible, ironic, and beautiful work in the midst of, and because of the, the stuff I'm going through. You know, there's a section a little bit later in the letter where, where Paul says, um, and you can almost uh, hear him say this with a wink and a smile. He tells the church, he says, look, he says, all the brothers and sisters here greet you and all of those in Caesar's household are greeting you, which is just crazy because Caesar's household is meeting Jesus and being transformed. And so he says, God is taking the circumstances and he's turning it around and he's using it for the furtherance of the gospel. And the gospel is being furthered in a couple of ways. Well, first it's being furthered to the, those in the imperial guard as Paul is chained to them. But secondly, he says, most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. He says, look, there's positive peer pressure happening. People are seeing my boldness with my chains, and they're saying, look, if Paul can do it in his imprisonment, I can do it wherever I'm at. And he says, more people are being emboldened, and they are preaching the gospel. And he says, and some, he says, of course, he says, some of these people are doing this out of ill will. Uh, some are doing it out of, you know, there are some churches that compete with other churches for members. And so too in the first century, there was, you know, some selfish, you know, rivalry and competition going on. And Paul says, sure, that happens. Some uh, do it from goodwill, others out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. And he says, the former proclaimed Christ out of competition or rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. But he says, who cares? He says, so what? He says, whether in truth or out of competition or whatever, he says, only in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is being proclaimed. And in that I rejoice. So what he's saying is he's saying, look, he's saying, I see that even in the midst of what I'm going through, the worst year ever, God is taking the base metals and he's turning them to gold. And friends, this is what God is able to do. He's able to take the base, difficult hardship that we are going through and he's able to turn it into something that is good. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that God is the cause of all of the hardships. You know, God is not like the great, you know, puppet maker who's pulling everything on strings. He's not moving all of the pieces on the chessboard. No, there is creation and it has its own integrity. And there is the creator and God is not causing everything in the world. The world has its own freedom. And in our own freedom, the darkness is at work here. And there are wills contrary to God's will in this world that are causing chaos and destruction and darkness. But what this is saying is that God is able to actually, out of the darkness and out of the destruction, he's able to bring something good. This is the God who brings beauty from ashes, who's able to, to turn our mourning into dancing. This is what God is able to do. He is able to bring gold from the base stuff we're going through. Now, what is the gold that God is bringing? You know, in some places in scripture, it says that the gold that God brings from our suffering is character formation. You know, in another place, Paul says that our suffering actually produces endurance and our endurance produces character and character produces hope. In other words, the difficulties you go through 
actually produce character change in your life. And isn't it true? I know this can sound cliche, but it's true that the most important things I've learned and you've learned in life, you've learned not when everything is going well, you've learned it in times of difficulty and trials and suffering. And it may be that over the last year in 2020, even though it's been difficult and trying and painful, God has been doing work in and through your own heart and life. You know, for some of you, you know, it might be that God brought you home you know, got you quarantined, stuck at home because God had some work that he wanted to do in your home. You know, there, there was some, some stuff in your marriage that you were papering over, you were not dealing with, but now you're seeing each other every day. You have to deal with it. Uh, maybe for some of you, you've got control issues and, and you think you're in control of everything and everyone and you've got to maintain, but God is actually breaking that. He's showing you, you are not in control. And that could be the most important thing you ever learn. You know, for some of us, you know, we, we've, got, we've got bitterness and we've got anger. We've got fear in our own hearts and lives. And it's come to the surface so that God might actually deal with it. And so God actually brings us through difficulties and trials in order to do work in our lives. Now, of course, it's not automatic. We need to respond to God rightly in the midst of the difficulties. How you respond to God matters. You know, the same sun that melts, that melts the wax also hardens the clay. And, and the, the trials that might actually cause one person to grow in humility and produce patience and, and, and work maturity is the same thing that actually might work bitterness and anger in another. And so we have a responsibility to respond to God if we wanna see this gold come out of our lives. Some of the gold that God may produce is character formation, but it's interesting in our text, that's not actually the gold that Paul is looking at. For Paul, the gold is actually the furtherance of the gospel. What he's rejoicing in is that the gospel is being preached. And it's interesting because, uh, you know, the church writes a letter to him and says, look, Paul, how are you doing? And rather than telling them how he's doing, he talks to them about how the gospel is doing. And that's interesting, isn't it? And, and I know that like, that could be taken as, uh, you know, Paul is one of these guys who, who doesn't like to talk about his own emotions and likes to go to spiritual lingo instead of talk about the real stuff of what's going, you know, Paul, how, how are you doing? You know, how's prison going for you? And Paul's like, I, I want to talk to you about the gospel. Paul's not doing this to avoid what's going on in his life. He's doing this because at the very heart and center of his deepest passion is the work that God, the creator, is doing in the world to see the gospel of Jesus move forward so that hearts can be changed, so that those who are enslaved can be freed, those who are in the grip of their own guilt and shame can be released and forgiven. And Paul has seen the gospel move forward to praetorium guard members who no doubt are, are themselves like in a, in a whole world of darkness. And Paul has seen it break out. And he's saying, I am rejoicing because that kind of gold is coming out of the hardship that I'm experiencing. And you know, I, I just wanna point out that over the last year, in the midst of the hardship we have gone through as a church family, God has been bringing forth this same kind of gold. 
we've actually seen the gospel travel to people and places that it would never have gone had it not been for COVID-19 and all of the shutdowns and all of that stuff. You know, I can remember back in March when we moved to online streaming, like I was freaked out. We had never done that before. And we're kind of a smaller church. We don't have like all the resources of having all. And, and I was like worried about like what's going to happen. But it's been beautiful because the gospel has moved forward through our online stream uh, to people in other states, uh, in a few cases to people in other countries. And uh, we've gotten feedback, uh, people who have never entered the walls of our church, people who have actually don't go to church, have tuned into our service and heard the gospel. And it's cool, we started outdoor worship in the backyard, which uh, socially distanced in these circles uh, with face masks. and. I, I never wanted to do worship in face masks and uh, apart in circles. And I do hope we continue to do outdoor worship maybe next summer, do this thing. I don't ever want to be worshiping in a mask after this whole thing's over. But it, it's beautiful because God has used this season to see the gospel travel to new places. You know, just a, a couple weeks ago, I met a girl uh, after our worship service who Justin had met in the park. He invited her to our church. And she came and uh, I talked to her afterwards. She said, you know, I really needed to hear that. She said, this is the first time I've been in church since I was nine. And then the next week she came back, invited her husband and her husband's parents. And, you know, I've heard that story at least a dozen times in the last six months. Uh, people who have come to our backyard worship service because they heard the, no they heard the music in the park and they, they were interested and they came in. And God is allowing the gospel to travel to new people in new places. And friends, that is good news. We serve a God who is able to take the base metals and turn them to gold. And so Paul, number one, he saw the hardness of life. And then he saw the alchemy of life, that we serve a God who is able to take the base metals and turn it to gold. But finally, Paul saw the definition of life. You know, he says a, a little bit, further, you know, because the church is still like, yeah, Paul, great. The gospel is traveling forward. But what about you? Are you going to get out of prison? And finally, Paul uh, answers uh, the question. He says this in verse 19. He says, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. He says, I I'm pretty sure I'm going to get let out. Uh, God is hearing your prayers. He says, it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be ashamed at all, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body. And then he says, whether by life or by death. And he says, look, if I, if I, if I live on, it'll mean fruitful labor. I think I will. But he says, even if I don't, even if I'm a martyr, he, he says this, he says, whether by life or by death, Jesus will be honored. And then he says this, he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You know, Paul was able to look at the hardship he was going through with this radically different perspective because of this definition that he had of life. For him, he says, life is Christ. He says, for me to live is Christ. Now, again, I know this is one of those calendar verses that it can be kind of cliche. Yeah, for me to live as Christ, and we can say, what does that actually mean? Listen, for Paul, what that meant, it, it simply meant this, that like the thing he was most living for was not his own comfort 
It was not for his success. It was not for his security. It, it was not for his own little life working out exactly the way he wanted it to. For Paul to live was to be caught up in the grand drama of redemption. He saw that the God of Israel, the creator of all things, had acted astoundingly in this world to break and to fight against the power of sin and death and darkness. He had exerted his victorious power over all of the darkness in the resurrection of Jesus. And this new light was that broke out of the tomb on Sunday was spreading throughout the Mediterranean world and throughout the rest of the known world. And Paul says, I have been caught up in this drama of redemption. And he says, that is what my life, that is what my vision, what my passion has been caught up in. He says, look, I, I am living for something bigger than my own comfort and satisfaction and security. And so that means when my comfort and satisfaction and security is rattled, uh, when it's shaken, he says, look, I can still find joy. I can still be grateful because I am living for something bigger than my own satisfaction and joy and comfort. And, you know, I think as I look back on 2020 and as I look forward into 2021, I think one of the things that um, I, I'm just really challenged in this text by is to ask that question, what am I living for in this next year? What drama am I caught up in? And am I living for something bigger than myself? You know, when you live for nothing bigger than yourself, your vision is small, your perspective is small, and your joy is very small. But you know, when you live for something bigger than yourself to participate in the redemptive, reconciling, healing love of God that is breaking forth in this world, you seek to receive this healing, reconciling love and to embody it and to share it and to spread it and to be an agent of it in this world then when you see it breaking out in little ways and in big ways, you can find joy even when things in this world are not going our way. And so may we as a church family in this next year be, be, a, be a church family that connects our own heart and our own passion with the words of Paul in this text. It says, for me to live is Christ. In 2021, our passion, our desire as a church is to see the great name of Jesus known and magnified. And we will work hard. We will invest financially. We will, we will continue to work with our, our moment campaign and we'll do the work we need to do because we wanna see the gospel move forward in our time, in our place, so that our friends, our families, so that people all in this community and in the San Gabriel Valley might come and actually encounter the power of the cross and resurrection of Jesus. And so may God give us all we need in order to move forward in this next year with joy and with hope and with love together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you have given us a, a radically different passion and vision in life that is big and beautiful to live for, something bigger than ourselves. And God, we just ask that in this next year that our own hearts, our affections, our resources, our energies will be poured into your kingdom work and our own hope and our identity would be wrapped up in that. And in doing that, we might find joy 
and experience great peace in this next year together. And it's in the name of your son, Jesus, that we ask these things. Amen.